Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 153, Alma's Counsel to His Son Helaman. So here we are in Alma chapters 36 and 37, and I've always appreciated these chapters. I've always felt like a fly on the wall, that I'm eavesdropping into a very intimate conversation between a father and his son. But more importantly, we're listening to a prophet passing down not only his knowledge, but the objects that have spiritually led a people for hundreds of years. That's good stuff, right? But this time around, I realized what Alma was doing. Alma is teaching his son his experiment that he made upon the Word of God and how he grew his faith in Jesus Christ. And just for some interesting trivia before we get started, chapter 36 is actually an example of a chiasmus, which is a Jewish literary style of writing. It's where you introduce ideas in a particular order until you come to the middle of your writings, which represents the main point. And that's kind of fun to be able to find where the middle is. And that's the main point of everything you're writing. And then from that point on, in in descending order, you are reviewing the ideas that you made before until your first idea is now your last idea. And it's, it's like a mirror image of itself. And the main idea of this chiasmus is Alma cried upon Jesus Christ to have mercy upon him. And Jesus did. Isn't that cool? That's the main point that Alma wanted to make to his son Helaman. So let's take a look at Alma's experiment that he has here for us. And I'm not going to go line by line here, but instead, my hope is to kind of present these scriptures in, in such a way that you can just more clearly see how you too can experiment upon the Word of God and increase your faith in Jesus Christ, how it's worth it, how it's worth all of the toil, all of the sacrifice, all of the transformation, it's worth it. And to do so, in order to be able to make this make sense, I just want you to continue to liken this process to planting a garden. When you go to the store, you usually will see an entire display of seed packets, right? And on the packets are these beautiful pictures of what the seed should become. It's what we should hope for. And you get to decide if you're interested or not, right? If you'll use it, if if you're willing to provide the conditions It requires to grow. It's you who gets to determine if you'll have an appetite for it or if you plan on changing your diet so that you can make room for it. Are you going to allow its goodness to crowd out the bad things that you're eating? Are you going to allow it to become delicious to you? So for example, take zucchini, (laughs) which we know when we plant, it can grow in abundance. But zucchini is high in water and fiber and vitamins. It has minerals and antioxidants that help to be able to improve your digestion and to lower your blood sugar levels and to give you more energy and to reduce all that inflammation in your body. So do you want to plant a zucchini? Do you want to fill yourself with its promises? You get to decide. And these are the same things that we must decide when we're choosing to plant the word of God in our hearts. 
Now, if Alma was selling you seeds of the words of God, these are the beautiful pictures I imagine that would be on the covers of these packets. Or in other words, these are his results that he knows to be true. And he's testifying this to his son and he's inviting his son to do the same. He wants Helaman to grow the same fruit. And there would be a packet that contains a picture of God and he's supporting us in our trials and our troubles and our afflictions if we put our trust in him. Do you want that packet? It shows us being transformed and born of God. No longer are we governed by the natural man, but we're changed by God. And it's a place where God can dwell within us and influence us. Do you want that packet? Or there is the packet that's showing us free from remembering our pains or being filled with exquisite joy or having our memories enlarged or being convinced of our errors and finding joy in repentance. And there would be a packet promising you more knowledge of God and salvation to your soul. And on the back of each packet would contain the promise that no power on earth can take away these promises. God's word will be fulfilled if you plant it. And partaking of this fruit will bring rest to your soul. It will direct you for good. It will watch over you and lift you up at the last day. Do you want this fruit? (laughs) The fruit is the atonement of Jesus Christ, and it's infinite. Now, really dedicated seed growers don't just buy their seeds from anywhere. Did you know that? They have particular suppliers that they go to. They trust those suppliers. Some of these growers even keep genealogies of the seeds, ensuring its quality and its pureness. And Alma teaches Helaman, and he's also therefore teaching us, about the characteristics of the supplier or the source of the word of God. It is only their seeds or through Jesus Christ that salvation can come to us. You got to get it from the right supplier, right? And they do this in unique ways. Us humans really like things to be grand, right? We we like big things, showy things. We like to be odd. But God works by small means to bring about great and eternal purposes. Isn't that interesting? And when we plant God's word, we should know that he counsels in wisdom over all of his works, that his paths are one eternal round, and that his word or the seed that we're planting, it can bring us out of darkness. And just like he has in the past, he will fulfill his promises to us. The point is, these are the very best seeds you can ever get. So you want some? At first, Alma didn't. (laughs) In fact, he purposely sought to destroy the church of God attempting to draw God's children away from him. Alma describes this as murder, in fact. And at first I thought, well, that's rather dramatic. But it occurred to me that that is spiritual murder that he was committing, leading people away from God. It really does take on a serious tone when you recognize that that is spiritual murder that's being committed. And it was in this state that Alma was rebelling against God and he was refusing to keep the commandments of God. And no wonder Alma taught the Zoramites that it's better to choose to be humble than to be compelled because Alma was compelled in a very dramatic way. He knew that choosing to be humble was the easier way because an angel had appeared to him. Sometimes we think we want angels to appear to us. 
I don't know. If you read the scriptures, you might not want <laughs> you might not want that. Because for Alma's experience, the angel stopped him in his tracks and the ground was shaking underneath him. And Alma was compelled by this angel. The angel said to him, go ahead and destroy yourself, but stop seeking to destroy the church of God. And after that, Alma heard nothing else. But the angel did go on to say more things. But when Alma tells Helaman that he came to know these things for himself, and it wasn't because of any worthiness on his part, this is what Alma's referring to. He wasn't up to any good. He wasn't seeking to be humbled. But an angel came and kind of put that in his way. And to me, this really brings a lot of hope to me. Because if I choose to be humble, and I'm seeking to be born of God, what can I come to know? And what change can I undergo if I just let go of resistance and I submit? That's kind of exciting. If I just let go of resistance humble myself by submitting to God's ways. What can happen? So for three days, Alma couldn't speak or move. He experienced terrible torment, he said, within him because of his iniquities. And he's imagining coming before God and it horrifies him. He'd rather hide and not face God. In fact, banishment and extinction (laughs) sounded like a really good plan to him at this time. And as he laid there, he remembered over and over again the sins that he had committed, and its bitterness was consuming him. It wasn't until he remembered the teachings of his father, Alma, that any hope entered into his heart. Alma literally had a packet of seeds, and he needed to decide, do I desire it or not? And he decided he did. For what he remembered was that his father spoke of the coming of Jesus Christ and that the purpose of Jesus Christ was to atone for the sins of men and redeem them. And Alma knew this is exactly the balm his soul needed. But would he experiment? Would he make room in his heart for the good? And would he crowd out the bad? Would he? He would. Just his utterance of, O Jesus, thou Son of God, have mercy on me. Just that was like Alma opening the packet of seeds and planting it in his heart. I imagine him just pouring it (laughs) into his heart. And then with faith, believing something he couldn't see, but believing that it was true believing that Jesus would treat him better than he deserved in that moment, allowed Jesus to treat him better than he deserved. The fruit that Alma grew in that moment and then partook of was the atonement of Jesus Christ, and it took away the bitterness and joy replaced it. Where he once was consumed by the memory of sin, he now could remember it no more. Where once he desired to hide and remain in darkness, light now filled him and the joy was exquisite and sweet. I wonder if we too are having Alma experiences. I wonder if we are consumed by destructive human emotions. I wonder if we are being tormented by the false self that hisses at us about our unworthiness 
and our worthlessness. And I wonder if we too desire to hide too often. And if we have on replay in our minds the painful memories of past mistakes or messes that we've made, if you have related to any of the words that I have said or of Alma's experience, how can you better plant the word of God in your heart? How can you let it swell and take sprout until the fruit can nourish you and heal you? Because that is exactly what the Savior desires to help you with. And it's this I know to be true, that when we're experiencing the bitterness of life, this isn't the time to hide from God. Don't give in to it. Let those feelings that you're experiencing being the warnings of the Spirit, that things are out of alignment, that you're maybe not listening to truths, that there are pests in your garden. And instead, I instruct you to doubt your doubts and to immerse yourself in having faith in Jesus Christ. Now, who should be experimenting upon the word? All of us. None of us are ever going to be done with our garden when we're here on earth. And so it's time for us to pull out our boxes of seed packets and start thumbing through them and consider what our garden is lacking at the moment. And we need to start experimenting once again. Maybe your garden is in need of tender mercies, that will make you mighty even under the power of deliverance and you need to start looking for those tender mercy sprouts. Or maybe you desire to experiment on the truth that all things are working for your good. So you need to plant those seeds and then you need to start looking for those sprouts in your life. And sometimes, especially at the beginning, we're going to have to dig through just like we do those tomato plants or those bean vines. We're going to have to dig through those and find the fruit. But it's up to us to go out to our garden every day to check in with our hearts and to look for the evidence. Because whatever you look for, you will find it. And maybe it's planting the seeds of God hears and answers my prayers. Or I always do have the Spirit with me. And then looking for those sprouts and then nourishing and protecting those sprouts until they grow strong. And you can't deny it anymore. There is always experimenting to be done. And there is always something that your garden is lacking. So how exciting to be able to then discover what your garden needs. So you really should check in with he who knows. Now, just like our seeds need water and sunshine and good soil, so do our experiments on the word of God. And the nutrients that Alma teaches Helaman are, of course, the scriptures. He mentions the interpreters or the Urm and Thummim. And then he also mentions the Liahona. And though we might not have these exact objects, we are not lacking in their nutrients. We do have the scriptures where we do obtain the word of God. And just like with the Nephites and the Lamanites, the scriptures do enlarge our memory and they have the power to convince us of our errors and they bring us to a knowledge of God and they teach us how to obtain salvation and what this salvation even means, why we should want it in the first place. And Alma instructs Helaman to keep the record sacred and then also to continue to add to the record. And then he prophesied that one day the words 
that the record contained would go out into the world and they would teach everyone God's mysteries. And I think it's curious that Alma states that he supposes that Helaman might think Alma is being a little foolish in saying this. I don't know, maybe Helaman was still in the process of experimenting and learning the significance that this record possessed, that he was now going to be in charge of. But thousands of years later, we can look at this and we can say, this prophecy has come to pass. Whether it be the brass plates and the writings of the prophets of old, where the Old Testament is just throughout the world, which the Old Testament contains many of the writings of the brass plates. And then look at how widely available it is now and how we're studying that this year as a church. Or whether it be the Book of Mormon, these records teach us God's mysteries and we're better for it. So just like it is required to water our seeds in our garden so that they won't wither away, it is crucial that we drink from the fount of living waters that are contained in the scriptures so that our faith, so that our seed, our sprouts don't wither away. Next, our seed requires sunshine, and the Urim and Thummim brought light to the people in ancient America. When the Lord saw that the Jaredites began to work in darkness, the Lord gave them these interpreters to protect them from destruction. And it contained a stone that would shine light in the midst of darkness and allowed the Lord to speak to the people, to the ones that were desiring to serve him. And he would reveal to them the works of darkness that threatened them, and he would advise them on how to avoid it. We may not have a stone, but we have a prophet of God, and he shines light that pushes back the darkness by revealing God's will to us. And those of us who desire to serve God, we listen, and we receive the nutrients of the light that our experimentations are hungering for. And finally, our seeds need nutrients of good soil to surround it and protect it, to provide the perfect environment to grow within so that our seed can reach its potential, right? The Nephites had the Liahona, and we have the Holy Ghost. And just like the Liahona did for the family of Lehi, the Holy Ghost guides us through our own personal wildernesses. And it works when we heed him, and he ceases when we become slothful. And just like the Liahona, the Holy Ghost works according to our faith. And when we doubt, or when we shirk away from the fruits of the Spirit, when we slip in our diligence, we find that our personal director also ceases. And we're left to our own strength and our own wisdom. And we know that's nothing compared to what we could get from God. All three of these nutrients are essential, but they're also so easily overlooked because they don't require flashy lights and they're not loud and they don't have this captivating stimulation. They are simple. And us humans like to complicate simple. (laughs) We're really good at that, right? But it's essential to remember that it's by small means that our God works by small means that he brings great things to pass, that small things can confound the wise. And it's by small means that the Lord brings about his great and eternal purposes. He is a God of small means. Even the miracles that we crave 
are all worked by small means. Now you may ask yourself, how do I remain diligent? How do I not fall into slothfulness? What does that look like on the everyday? How do I produce fruit because I desperately want it to nourish me? But what does it mean or look like to drink from the living waters of the scriptures or to shine the light of the prophet in my life? Or how do I supply the good soil to my seed? Or in other words, how do I have the Holy Ghost always be with me? Alma eloquently teaches his son what this looks like, but I'll just sum it up right here. It looks like hating sin and iniquity. It looks like repenting and having faith in Jesus Christ. It looks like humbling ourselves and then being meek and lowly in heart. It looks like using our faith in Jesus Christ and trusting him and experimenting on his words so that we can withstand the temptations of the devil. Have you ever noticed in your garden, especially like box gardens, I, I do mine in box gardens, where I grow it so well and abundantly, it crowds out the weeds. They don't even, they're not even a big deal. They're just easily plucked out. That's what having faith in Jesus Christ can do for the weeds in our personal lives. It looks like engaging in good works and then never tiring of them. And Alma promises at this point that those who do this will receive rest to their souls. Alma teaches us to learn wisdom in our youth and to keep the commandments of God, to pray to God for our support, to let all of our doings be unto him, and to allow all of our thoughts to be directed to him because we love him that much. We love him so much that we just want to have him always be our focus. Alma also counsels Helaman, and therefore us, to counsel with the Lord in all of our doings. And Alma promises that the Lord will direct us for good, that we should pray when we lie down to bed, and that we should sleep, and then when we wake up, that we should wake up and pray in thanksgiving. And Alma gives another promise that, If we do these things, we will be lifted up at the last day. Can you see the faith at work as Alma listed all of these things? Can you see how diligently focused one must be on Jesus Christ? But can you see how the promises are actually exactly the strength that you need to to do another day and to withstand everything that actually desires to pull you down. I think once we truly understand the seed that we are being asked to plant, and once we crave the nourishment that the fruit of the tree of life wishes to fill us with, that the decision to actually plant the seed, it becomes really easy. And that's because it's finally become delicious to us.